0: It's really great that you all are wonderful at following instructions so much we've asked you to stand up we've asked you to sit down we've asked you to sing and you have it's wonderful when we follow instructions follow along with me as we do some more instructions there's a book by herv Telllet called press here let's see what we can find nope not the scripture definitely the book There we go. Whoops. So, you guys are going to follow along with some instructions. Go ahead from your seat, see if you can take your pointer finger, and do what it says. Press here. Either screen is fine. Whoops, two dots came up. Why don't you take that finger and you rub the right one? Ooh, something else happened. Why don't you rub the left one? Oh, that's interesting. (laughs) It turned red. What about if you rub the other one? (gasps) Oh my goodness, that's what happens? There's a lot more to this than we thought. Mm, How about you shake it a little bit? Like shake your head a little bit and see what happens. Oh, try a little bit harder. Shake a little bit more. Why don't you tilt your head and see what happens? Oh, wow. Tilt your head a little bit more. And a little bit more. Oh, wow. So many things are happening on the screen based on what you do. Looks like you shook a little bit too hard. Shook a little bit too hard the other way. It looks like you tilted it up. Let's see what happens if you press on all of the yellow dots, please. Oh, looks like you turned the lights off. Let's try to turn them back on by pressing the yellow dots again. All right, now is the time to blow hard. All right, we got to get all of that black light gone. Blow, 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 blow a little bit harder. Oh wow, looks like you blew a little bit too hard. Keep blowing, keep blowing, and they keep on getting bigger and bigger. Oh man, absolutely amazing! What happens with these dots? It looks like you blew hard enough that the dots have come around the entire screen. And we can press the yellow or the white dot in the middle and now we're back to the beginning press here is a book about instructions and you're following along with these instructions so I thought it would be an appropriate book seeing as how I'm the children's pastor and we love learning things very tactile and doing things that help our whole self and helping our whole minds and helping our whole spirituality go along with one another. So I thought it would be appropriate when we talk about the Ten Commandments, which are essentially a list of instructions and rules, that we could actually see that a list of rules doesn't have to be boring or depressing, but it can actually give us a glimpse into great life, great joy. Living by guidelines can actually give us greater pleasure for God. Now, the Old Testament is riddled with instructions from God. Now, any ancient culture, you might know, if we have any remnant of who they are or where they were, we notice that they had a list of rules or instructions or a code of conduct. Maybe you know that, maybe you don't, but now you do. So... While the Ten Commandments are rules for life, they're not just rules. The commandments are structured so that they shape our identity and our character as people of God. And that's why God gave them to us in the first place. You see, it's not about a list of rules or regulations. It's actually about a relationship between God and us. I don't know if you know this, but whenever you go into some sort of a situation and you start making commands, you can't actually make a command and have people follow you without having some sort of a relationship with you. That's why when a policeman walks into an area wearing, you know, the police garb, or a teacher walks into a classroom with their children, or what have you kind of situation, it is the trust and the relationship that is what makes that work. And so if we didn't have a relationship with God, these Ten Commandments mean nothing. But we do. We have a relationship with God. We trust God. We've walked along with God this whole time. And therefore, these rules are because of a trust, but they're also because of a relationship that we have with God. And there's beauty, and there's freedom, and there's joy in that. The first of the commandments, you probably know this one. Thou shall have no other gods before me. There's a Hebrew idiom in there that helps me understand it a little bit more beside me in parallel to or even before me as in first and then god is second you might know that the jewish people were in egypt for a time does anyone know what the religion of the egyptians were it was polytheistic they had a god for the sun they had a god for the nile they had lots of different gods and so if you are a jewish people in this kind of pluralistic society in this polytheism society You need some instructions on how to live your life amongst this different thing. And so monotheistic people living in a polytheistic society needed that. You also might know that they went to Canaan. Canaan was another place where they had polytheism. How better for these people to understand that they are to be directly related to God and to trust God. And they need a list of rules and regulations. And for whatever gods might be placed in front or before or beside God, there is a law that was given. Now, we find ourselves in this sort of situation, listening to this first commandment, and we're like, we're not in Egypt, we're not in Canaan. But yet, we still have to pay attention to this law. And I would argue that we are in a society with polytheism. I would argue that we're in a society with polytheism where we may not be choosing the sun god Ra to attribute our rising and our setting of our sun. But we certainly are attributing the highs and our lows of our day or our week or a month or the happiness level that we have based on other things than God. Yes, I think so. We are living in a polytheistic society, but it says do not have other gods before me. And I would say that we've had a momentous week, haven't we? Same-sex couples can now marry in all 50 states. The Confederate flag's historic hold on political institutions of the Deep South is fraying hour by hour. Obamacare is defying another attempt to dismantle it. And now it's reaffirmed as the law on the land. These are seismic events that have happened just this week, and it's great to just take this little snippet, so... I'm glad for this example. And it all culminated with our president singing amazing grace amongst the crowds. But why do we live in this polytheistic society so much so that we are lured into thinking that the civil government should be before or beside our God? I leave you with that question. There's no right or wrong about what happened this last week. You might, you might have your own opinions. But I do want you to look at this scripture. It just was bleeding to me with the concept and the idea of why do we let our civil government be before or beside God? I'll just toss that to you as we read our scripture for today. It comes from Matthew chapter 22 verses 34 through 44 and I think we should take a moment of prayer before we read the scripture and it has a chance to get up on the screen. Dear God, thank you so much for this world that we live in. You have given it to us. You've given it to us, but wow, what a place it is to live. And as we go through the trials and tribulations and the relationships and the challenges and the joys, that there are in this world, let us always turn to you and know that you are the creator of all things and you have given it all to us. And therefore we should place our greatest trust in you. And we should learn from you for what the great places that we should live and how to live. Amen. It actually starts before this. I want to read verse 34. It says, when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, it's two different religious factions. It's like priests and other types of priests. Okay. When the Pharisees had heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, he gathered together. One of them, a lawyer asked him a question to test him. And he says right here, verse 36, teacher, that's what they called Jesus back then. Teacher, what commandment in the law is the greatest? And Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord, your God with all your heart With all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest of the first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments, like Pastor James was talking about, hang all the law and the prophets. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And when the staff was asked a few months ago about preaching the Ten Commandments on a particular Sunday, we said it is too big of a topic to talk about all Ten Commandments in one Sunday. After all, I had such a hard time just narrowing in just for today. The summer Ten at Ten series seemed like the perfect nesting place for it. And we all agreed to make it our summer sermon series in one commandment per Sunday, going in order. It seemed logical until Pastor James, brilliant over there, he said, Well, I went through the list, and if we count 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, we end up talking about adultery on Vacation Bible School Sunday. <laughs> and we all agreed that that probably wasn't a good idea, and for, especially for such a, a visitor heavy Sunday that we agreed that we needed to take another look at this. And it's always a good idea to dig deeper into the scriptures, is it not? Always a good idea to dig deeper into the scriptures because it's not about just surface level. And so we got into what is the reason behind it, and he alluded to this. The Ten Commandments are not just the Ten Commandments. That's the Old Testament. We as Christians have the New Testament, and Jesus came, and he had this wonderful statement about... The Ten Commandments, the Law and the Prophets, all hang on these two things. The greatest. Love God. Love your neighbor. That's it. Simple. Everything can just be packed into there. And we can divide the commandments different ways, and we will. You'll notice that we're not just doing one, two, three, four, five. You'll notice that we're taking the first three, kind of the first four, as loving God. And then we're taking the latter part, and they're focused on loving our neighbor. And so that's where we're going. That's the framework that's set up for you. So our scripture for today is that. It is the greatest commandment. And it's nestled between—I said that word twice. I really like that word today. Let's nest together. (laughs) The scripture is nestled between some very important things that run up to it. I don't know if you've seen the events that happened this last week that are not necessarily on the news, but they happen to do with a lot of the sports that are going on. Remi- Jesus' encounter with the Pharisees and the Sadducees reminds me of the U.S. Women's National Team and the fact that they are defeating everyone. It's amazing. But maybe soccer isn't your thing. Maybe you liked the horse races of a couple of weeks ago and you saw American Pharaoh win the Triple Crown. Or maybe baseball. I know Arnst over here loves baseball. There we go. Uh Uh-huh. Neville said something too. Virginia won all the NCAA tournament. And maybe you're into tennis. You're going to watch Wimbledon a little bit later today. Yes, no, maybe. Perfect serves. Perfect touch. Perfect communication. Perfect throws. Perfect passes. And points were scored. And that's how Matthew 22 culminates. And that's how it's meant to, pardon the pun, strike us. The opponents were skilled. The Sadducees and Pharisees had studied their entire lives for moments like these. And they threw their best game at Jesus. But in the end, it seemed like Jesus was playing the World Cup. And the religious leaders of the day, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they were playing their first season of AYSO. You see, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they took it up as their job to implement all of these commandments. Now, we know about the Ten, but there's actually 613 laws in the Old Testament. And they were given the task of monitoring these rules. But instead, these rules, rather, got in the way. They were sluggish. You know some of these rules. They're like, don't cut your hair ever. Don't wear different kinds of cloth together. They're like, you can't put cheese with your meat, and so hamburgers were a no-go. Don't eat pigs. Don't work on the Sabbath. Even if your donkey is dying in a ditch, don't don't go get him. Things like that. There were lots of rules and regulations, and some of them we make fun of lightheartedly, but we love our Jewish brothers and sisters because they get them closer to God, but it's not just about the rules and the regulations, is it? It's about the overarching theme. Because it's not just about pushing here or doing this or what steps does it take to get to eternal life. It's really about the overarching theme of love. If I just tell you love, can't you come up with your own list of how to be? And that's what Jesus says. Love. There was a big switch when I was in fourth grade. I had all, um, I changed schools. I went from a public school into a private school, and it was a private Christian school. And I remember very distinctively in fourth grade, my teacher, when I began the school year, she had a list of do nots. Do not run, do not pet the hamster, when it's not recess time, do not eat your snack, not snack time, don't talk while I'm talking, please raise your hand, those sorts of things. I'm sure you all went to schools with similar lists of rules of do's and do nots. But when I went to the Christian school, what they did was put up on the board their rules. And it was love God and love your neighbor. And we were to determine what that meant. We can determine what that means. Isn't there freedom in that? There's freedom in that. I wanted to go through a couple of the scriptures that happened right before our greatest commandment. Matthew 22, 15 has the Pharisees asking questions to Jesus about taxes. You probably heard this one before where he says, oh, uh, how do we pay taxes to Caesar? And the question is answered actually by Jesus asking them to show them the coin from their very pockets first. That's what happened. What do you think was on their coin? It's very similar to what's on our coins today, but the ruler of the world at the time, it was Caesar. And so that's idolatry that's putting god second so he says give to caesar what is caesar and give to god what is god and so yes give your taxes great because they're caesars anyway look very much so on the coin themselves give to caesar what is caesar and give to god what is god and so we get to decide what kind of currency it is that we are giving to god point one for jesus zero for the Pharisees. Matthew 22:23. 23, the Sadducees give Jesus a silly question about marriage. Oh my goodness, it is silly. So when a man got married to a woman, then the woman is now the man's back then, right? So what if the man dies? Then the woman usually just married his brother. We're talking like multiple siblings, like the Lazarini family, multiple siblings in a, in a family or the Flores family. They're not here, so that's why I'm picking on you guys. You married the next brother. Okay, you might not have children with the first one, but okay, this woman didn't have children with the second one, and then the man died, and then she had to marry the third brother, and he died, and they didn't have any children. Anyway, the list goes on and on, and so then the Pharisees ask, which one was her actual husband? And Jesus is like, what? Why are we worried about things that are going on here in this life? Isn't it about eternal life that is really the point? Point to Jesus zero for the Pharisees. Matthew 22:23 is also similarly hilarious and it has the Sadducees giving Jesus a silly question about which is more important about the law of Moses. And Jesus was talking in the earlier chapters about the needs for people's hearts to be renewed because people weren't following the commandments in the first place. There was lots of impurity in these people. And there was lots of things that they needed to really dig themselves out of. And so they ask, which is the greatest of the law of Moses? Out of 613 laws plus 10 commandments, which is the greatest? Jesus, of course, can't be challenged in any of this. And he says what we already know. We've already discussed. We've already thought about it. Jesus says, love God, love your neighbors. Points for Jesus. And the Sadducees and the Pharisees were stumped. They couldn't argue with him any longer. And this is Matthew chapter 22, so they're actually fairly annoyed by this point. There's not very many more chapters in Matthew. It only goes to 28. And so this is ending, this is almost towards the end of Jesus' life, and he's really trying to get his point across. You still haven't gotten it, guys. But while I still have a few chapters left... In, verse, or in chapter 22, love God. Love your neighbor. This is how it ends. And the scripture says, no one dared to ask him any more questions. Game, set, match. Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's pray while the band comes up. Dear God, thank you so much for giving us... Some rules and regulations so that we can understand. But thank you so much for giving us the rules and regulations of love. Love God and love our neighbors. How can we be better about doing that in our life? How can we be the ones that put you first and not put the government before you? Not put our food before you? Not put drugs before you, not put alcohol before you, not put anything before you. Not even put our family before you, God. How do we draw closer to you and what you want in our life? Help us to struggle with that for the next week. In your name we pray, amen.